Would you open your Bibles to Psalm 51? Spending most of our time in Psalm 51, but you can keep a bookmark on 2 Samuel 11 and 12 if you would like. Is that too many instructions? Psalm 51 and a bookmark in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. We are continuing our series, Psalms in All Seasons. Today's message, if, you wanna, if you're taking notes, beg for mercy. Only God can deliver us from our sin cycle. The theme verse of this series is, I will bless the Lord at all times. That means in all seasons. And last week, you'll remember, we looked at Psalm 34. And we looked at, in, our, in a season of life where we're doing good, bad things can still happen. That's what we studied last week. And just by way of review, we learned that when we're in a season where we're doing good but bad things happen, what's our posture? We have to magnify God. We have to testify of His goodness. And we have to fear the Lord through our words, through our behavior, and through our seeking peace. So again, last week was, what do we do when bad things happen even though we're doing good? We use Pastor Chris as an example as, as he's doing the good works of God, leading us in evangelism, leading us is, as a church to have movement. Eat, bad things can still happen, but we still extol the Lord and fear him. Well, today we want to look at David's life at a low point in his life, the lowest point when he went into deep sin. And sometimes as Christians, uh, we want to avoid deep pits of sin, but we're fallible and we do sin. So what do we do when bad things happen because we do bad? We're going to learn from David. And, and what we're going to learn today is that only God can break us out and deliver us from our sin cycle when we beg for his mercy and when we truly repent. Let me say that again, all you note takers. Only God can deliver us from our sin cycle because God breaks our sin cycle when we beg for mercy and we repent of our sin. So my job today is to take you through the scriptures, take you through David's low point. But the Holy Spirit's job is to convict you individually and us corporately of sins because God is preparing us as the bride of Christ until the day he returns we all, as individuals, have areas of sin. Corporately, we have areas of sin. And so what I would ask you to do is just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And it's my prayer and my belief that he's going to pinpoint areas that he wants you to give over to him and to confess. Let me talk about the word sin cycle. Of course, it's possible to fall into an isolated sin. But for most of us, we have habits of sin. As individuals, let me give you an example. Maybe you are feeling aimless and you're feeling bad about yourself. And so you find comfort by eating too much food and finding peace through gluttony. And then you gorge yourself, maybe even purge yourself. And you feel bad about yourself. So you want to make yourself feel better. So what do you do? You eat more. Or you consume entertainment. Or you feel aimless in life and so you look at pornography 
or you're just spending hours looking at a computer screen or a television screen or a phone screen to the extent that it's an idol in your life. And then you break out of it in the real life. And how do you feel? Feel bad. So like a dog returns to its vomit, we go back into our sin pattern. Does that resonate with any of you? Sometimes we're in this cycle so much, we just want to feel something, anything. And so for some of us, we have different types of neuroses or cutting. These are very deep issues. And what I want to say is we believe in this church that God uses the medical community. He uses the mental health community. And he also uses biblical counselors like David Pack. And we would encourage you to seek that out. The church subsidizes biblical counseling for anyone who needs it. But at the same time, we serve a living God. And if we come to him with a contrite heart, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can deliver you out of a cycle of sin. Do you believe that? A very common one would be a marital situation, boyfriend, girlfriend. Let's see if this sounds familiar. The man is not cherishing his wife or his girlfriend. So she starts to disrespect him and dishonor him. And then he says, hey, she's not honoring me, so I'm not going to cherish her. And she says, he doesn't cherish me, so I'm going to disrespect him. Do you see how that happens? Bitterness grows. The enemy grows inside of our hearts and our lives. If you have a roommate, you might want to kill someone because they left peanut butter on the knife for the tenth time. And we lose our peace. At a bigger level, Jesus is speaking to the seven churches. And he says, this you're doing well. This I affirm you in. But here's an area of weakness. For us as a church to move forward, I believe God wants us corporately and individually to confess and come before him and leave our sins at the foot of the cross. Are you in agreement with me on that? Don't worry, this is just the intro. We're going to get to the Bible soon. Let me, as we're going to enter Psalm 51, just for sake of time, let me summarize the events of David's life. Uh, for those of you who don't have a Christian background, King David is like a famous biblical writer. And he was a man after God's own heart. He's someone we can relate to because he had great victories and great defeats. Well, before Psalm 51, what happened was David, as we talked about last week, was living a righteous life. He was serving King Saul. And Saul wanted to kill him. He wrote Psalms to God. He extolled him. David persevered, and he had good behavior. Well, now God has anointed him as the rightful king. And so now, as the scene starts, David is now the king, and he's in the palace. And it says in the word of God, it, he got complacent. Pastor Chris always talks about that the older you get, the more, more mature you get. You need to take more risks. You need to lead by being on the front lines. David got complacent and he said, you know what, I'm going to sit this one out. And it even says he was on his couch. And then he left the couch and he walked onto the patio and he was overlooking Israel. All the able-bodied men were off at war. And there was a woman bathing on the rooftop 
at exactly the right time, and she was very beautiful. Her name was Bathsheba. And David looked at her, and it pleased him to look at her and to lust after her. And he got his advisors and said, who's that? No, that's Bathsheba. She is the wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of your generals at the war. And he says, bring her to me. You know how the story ends. He brings her to the palace, and he commits adultery, and she leaves the palace pregnant with David's child. And David is thinking as king, well, I'm king. I'm going to cover this up. So he calls Uriah from the front lines, and Uriah comes back, and he says, hey, Uriah, why don't you just go home and spend time with your wife? You know, what does Uriah do? He stays in the palace and sleeps there. And so the next night, David gets him drunk. He says, go home to your wife. And Uriah said something to the effect, how can I go home to my wife when my brothers are at war? And so David's plan to cover his sin is, is foiled. So he writes a letter, a secret letter, and gives it to Uriah. He says, give this to your general. He didn't even know, Uriah didn't know that the, the letter said, Hey, Joab, the general, send Uriah to the front lines. In the heat of the battle, pull back so he's killed. And that's exactly what happens. David lusts after Uriah's wife, commits adultery, then kills Uriah. Comes back and does what kings do, and he's just living life. Because at that time, kings could do that. That was very normal. But it's not normal for the people of God. And it's not normal David, who is a man after God's own heart. So God sends a prophet named Nathan. And Nathan comes into the courts and he tells David, let me tell you a story. There was a rich man and a poor man. A poor man had only one little lamb, little ewe lamb. And they treated it like a pet and would even eat at the table. And the rich man had hundreds and hundreds of flocks. And the rich man was having a visitor. And instead of killing one of his own sheep, he steals the poor man's lamb and serves it to the guests. Well, David hears this, and how does he feel? He is enraged, and he says, that man deserves to die. And Nathan points his finger and says, you are that man. And David is cut to the heart by the Holy Spirit, and he's convicted. And this psalm comes out of that. So let me read from Psalm 51. Uh, if you'd like to stand, you can stand for the reading of God's Word. Sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in and rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. Skip to verse 16. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Please be seated and let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your... Speak to us right now, Lord, as we investigate your word. Help us, God, to learn how you deliver us from our cycle of sin. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Of how God delivers us from the sin cycle, from committing sin all the way to God's deliverance. And I thought this was really important for us as a church. Um, It's interesting, Pastor Chris just even mentioned to me that on Tuesday, he and a number of individuals from the church and visitors had a time of prayer and confession. And we didn't talk before this, but this resonates in my spirit because I, God brought to me the image of Joshua before he went into the promised land. You see, God wants City Bible Church to expand in Los Angeles and expand his kingdom. But before Joshua was to go into the promised land, he and the soldiers did a ritual. It was a cleansing ritual that was very painful in which you cut off the reproach, cut off the reproach of sin. And as we as a church individually and corporately want to move forward, God wants to use vessels that are clean. We don't want sin in the camp. We need to confess that. So by going through these five stages, it's my hope that the Holy Spirit would put his finger on an area where you need to confess. You good? Stage one. The sin, stike, the sin cycle starts on the couch. The sin cycle starts on the couch. And this isn't always normative, what I'm sharing with you, but it's common. Look at 2 Samuel, if you want to, or I'll just read it to you. 2 Samuel 11, and I'm going to read the first three verses. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go off to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. This is key and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. It starts with laziness. Sin usually grips us when we start becoming spiritually lazy. If you interview any great man or great woman about what they're doing on the afternoon, they're not going to be saying they're on the couch. And God wants to ask, are you spending too much time on the couch? If I ask Norm, what do you do on, on, in the afternoon? Is he on the couch? He's hustling. He's working. He's doing the work of God. If you ask my wife what she's doing in the afternoon, she's not eating bonbons on the couch, scratching her belly. No, she's not doing that. She's working. We're not using him as an example. Name great on the couch. You could argue that Eve was deceived, but Adam was present and not doing what God had told him to be doing. In fairness, I want to say that we all experience times of spiritual exhaustion, but we can't just rest in worldly ways. The Word of God says to wait upon the Lord and He'll renew your strength. That's what it says in Isaiah. It says also, allow the joy of the Lord to renew your strength. In Hebrews 12, it says, do not lose heart. Because the blessing might be around the corner. But lots of times we lose heart. And so we just give in to our temptations. James 1 explains how the couch leads to death. James 1.15 says, after desire has conceived... It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
So for David, you could say his first sin was adultery, but really it started when he decided to stay home. He decided not to engage. And my challenge for you is you might be really hardworking at work, but how are you in the spiritual realm? How are you in your roommate situation? How are you in terms of evangelism? If you're in a season on the couch, maybe God wants to deliver you from that before something bad happens. And as we exit COVID and enter a new season where we're opening Cerritos, now is not the time for complacency. So stage one is what? Stay off the couch. Here's stage two. It often takes a Nathan to open our eyes to our spiritual blindness. It often takes a Nathan. It means it takes an individual sometimes to awaken us to our sin. Because what happens is when we give ourselves over to sin, we start to justify. We harden our heart. And even within a church community here, there's areas where we all have blind spots. And being a Nathan, do you think it was easy for Nathan are called to do precisely that? Of course, when you do it, you do it with gentleness. You do it with somberness. You do it in love. <laughs> Garen's really good at this. If he ever has to confront me, he does it in an affirming way. I don't feel like, a, like he looks down upon me. But a good shepherd will bring correction. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Before you correct another person, take the log out of your own eye. But then, when you see clearly you can remove the speck in another person's eye. So, it's important that for some of us, when someone approaches you about a sin, even if they don't do it perfectly, and I'm not saying you should be like, don't do this, don't do that, don't have your arms crossed and just like be nitpicky. But, if, if you see, I had a friend who was in a relationship that was going to lead to disaster. And when I warned her about it, she didn't take my advice and it broke the relationship. Five years later, she said, you know, you were a little harsh the way you explained it to me, but it was abusive. To fall into a pit or a life of despair and sin, it's your duty to warn them like Nathan. So stage one is stay off the couch. Stage two, be a Nathan or receive a Nathan's warning, like from the Lord. Stage 3, and we're going into the Psalm 51. See your sin from God's perspective. See your sin from God's perspective. Okay, I've got a bunch of kids. They're all wonderful. He hit me. Well, I hit him because he hit me first. Okay, what does the Bible say? Is that what Jesus said? If someone slaps you, slap him back? Where, can you show me the, the, the verse? We all do that at an adult level. Kids are at least honest about it. He hit me, I hit him back. Okay, that's honest. But we have all sorts of justifications. We deny our sin. We excuse our sin. I've been working so hard. I've done all this stuff. I deserve this. Look what David did in, in 51 verses 1 through 4. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Okay, let me stop there. Is David saying, hey, it wasn't like that. You see, this. No, he's just saying, have mercy, God. Not because I'm good, 
but because you're steadfast in your love, because you're merciful. Continuing, blot out my transgressions, wash me from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. David uses the words transgressions, iniquity, sin. I'm sure when David confessed, he was very specific about his sin. If you acknowledge your sin, God can work with you. If you don't acknowledge it, it's going to be like verse 4. See, my, if you've ever had a dog sprayed by a skunk, it's a nightmare. Or if you've ever been sprayed by a skunk, it's terrible. The stench comes into the room before the animal. And it says here, I know my transgressions, verse 4, and my sin is ever before me. The stench of your sin is not perceptible by everybody. But a Nathan will perceive it, and you can be sure God will perceive it. He wants to cleanse you, but you have to understand that you're not free just because you fool someone. God knows. So see your sin from God's perspective. That's the third one. Stage four. Beg for mercy. Beg for mercy. We always want to do more, but really when it comes down to it, verse 1, have mercy on me, O God. And look at verse 7 through 12. David is using these imperatives with God out of a relationship. But listen to what David says. Purge me with hyssop. Hyssop was used to spread blood on the sacrifices. Purge me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Skipping to nine, blot out my iniquities, renew me, cast me not away. Verse 11, 12, restore. What is David doing? Is he saying, is he trying to work a deal here? He's just saying, restore me, work something out. Baptism service with a church that I'm associated with. A woman had been praying for her elderly mother for, de for over a decade. And the mother finally became a believer. And she came from a Catholic background, but she says, I want to be baptized like Jesus was baptized. She's blind, and so Kyle and I, and we got to baptize her at Belmont Shores. Such a wonderful event. Most of the family and friends were not believers. They came from a Catholic background. So I had to make it very, very clear. You are not saved by taking communion. You are not saved by going into the long harbor. You are saved only by your faith, by grace, through faith, by the blood of Christ. Do you understand that? It's only by his blood. It's not... See, there's always... You look at Islam and the five pillars of faith. You look at the eightfold path of Buddhism. We're always striving to reach some level. I had an investigative Bible study with some of my friends here today. And I was saying, how do we get our sins forgiven? How do we enter the courts of God? By following the Ten Commandments? Almost. Not quite. The Ten Commandments is a mirror to show God's standard and how you fall short. Only Christ can fulfill the law. The purpose of the law do not commit adultery. Do not murder. You have hatred in your heart. You commit adultery. So stage four, 
to get out of the sin cycle is you beg for mercy because only God can deliver you from your cycle of sin. Now, the fifth stage is, okay, what do I do? We always want to do a good work, don't we? Just tell me what to do. We always want to have some sort of ritual. Can I just do some practice and be free? Jesus answered that in Matthew 9 and Matthew 12. He quotes from Hosea. He said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy. It means that if you want to give a sacrifice, the answer is in Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17. If you want to do something to get out of your rut of sin, and for some of us, we're not into drugs, we're not into alcohol, we're not into pornography, but you know, being a lifeless Pharisee Christian and going through rituals and attending church, which is great, God, those are the hardest ones to convert. <laughs> those are the hardest ones. They're just like the tax collector. The tax collector knows he's a sinner. He says, mercy on me, God. I'm a sinner. But the Pharisees are, I'm a good guy. I go to church. You know, I do this. I do that. I'm part of the worship team. I set up the tents. I help Pastor Chris, you know. Great. That's great. You think God's impressed with that? He wants your heart. He'll use someone with no credentials. He'll grab someone off the street and use them. So verse 16, you want a sacrifice? Here's your sacrifice. For you, God, will not delight in sacrifice from humans, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with an offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. So to review, how does God deliver you from your sin? Be thinking. The Holy Spirit's identifying individually, relationally, and maybe even as a church, sin that He wants to deliver you from. At the stage one, you've got to make sure you're not on the couch because the couch will lead to sin and sin will lead to death. Number two, God will send to Nathan. If He loves you, He wants your attention. Three, See your sin from God's perspective. Not your own perspective. See your own sin as God sees your sin. We justify it. We put cosmetic and perfume on it, but God sees it like a stinking skunk. Four, beg for mercy from God. He loves you enough that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. You can't say He doesn't care about you. He's not empathetic he died on the cross because he is the one can i bring to god to make me clean a broken spirit and just like the scripture says ask the lord to give you a new heart and new set of desires first john 1 9 says if we confess our sins and we're going to have a time of confession quiet confession if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Some of you 
have become accustomed to silencing the whispers of the Holy Spirit. Some of us, in certain areas of our lives, we've denied our conscience. And we don't want to hear it anymore. Yet, we're full of guilt. And there's a certain heaviness. God wants to deliver you from areas of your life. Until your soul resembles Christ. If we take your soul and put it next to Christ, yours is going to look dirty. No matter where we are in the walk. This is not for condemnation. But God is always cleansing us no matter where we are in our walk. Psalm 32. I'm just going to read this before I let you pray. David is explaining what it felt like before he confessed as compared to after he confessed. Church, we have a loving, compassionate God. He's not ready to lightning bolt you. He wants you to say, come to me, let's reason together. Let me wash you, child. Listen to what Psalm 32 says. Let it be the prayer of your heart. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. You don't want God's hand heavy on you. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sins. Therefore, let everyone who's godly Offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. God is here. He wants to be found by you. Stop covering your iniquity. For the next five minutes or so, I want you to, in, in where you are, I want you to be praying. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas where you have sinned. I want you to be praying for the church. I want you to be praying to see if you're called to be a Nathan in someone's life. And then in a few moments, Pastor Chris will um, close this session in prayer and then he will give us um, some other uh, reflections. So let's just enter a time of sober prayer, confessing to the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Mike. As we close in prayer, I was reminded of... um, you know, he was so, one of the points he made really spoke to me about confessing your sin directly to God, that you sinned against God. And as you're still praying, um, I was turning in my Bible to Psalm 139, another psalm David wrote, where he said, Search and that should be your theme, an all-powerful God. We come to you and say, Search me. Uh, Lord, we may not like what we find. You may not like what you find. But in order for us to turn, we've got to know ourselves. We've got to see ourselves as you see ourselves, even the ugly parts of ourselves. And so that is our prayer. Lord, search us. Know us. See if there is any wicked way in us. All of our excuses, our justifications, our refusal, our stubbornness, our pride... Uh, not to serve, love, confess to those around us, Lord. Let us come directly to you. Let you search us. And may you lead us in the way that is everlasting. So that is our prayer, Lord. May we be a people who are cleansed, who are forgiven, made right with you. 
We have things to do in the kingdom of God. And so let no sin continue to entangle us as a church. May your church walk in victory, Lord, as you uh, about that and how I need to change my own ways here. Uh, I want to share just for a few moments um, some macro thoughts, some big picture thoughts on our church. Related to the church on the macro big picture scale, uh, we could not be more excited. God is going to grow our church. He's going to mature you as followers of Jesus Christ. And also he's going to test us in the days ahead. Uh, but we believe that God is going to take our church to the next level. Uh, g- coming up in the fall, we have a lot of things coming up that will be catalysts for us to reach out to hundreds, if not thousands of people uh, within our sphere of relationships or even in this geographical area and other places. So number one, we want, to, uh, we want you to know that we believe the future of City Bible Church, whether that's here in downtown LA in the mornings or Cerritos in the afternoons, uh, could not be more bright, could not be more exciting. And we want you to believe that because we do too. And we believe God has that for us in the future. Number two, we want you to be committed to prayer during this season. Uh, many of you, you know, we, I drove up this morning, uh, a bunch of guys, you guys saw them, they're praying every Sunday before the service. Come join us for pre-service prayer. Um, I was out here on Tuesday night of this week with, uh, who was it, uh, uh, Ted and Brian um, and Holland and Sebastian and a friend named Nick. And so uh, please keep pray- our church in prayer. Believe prayer. And lastly, for the church, um, we want you to continue to seek out ways to discover the ministry that God has for you. Um, Our job as leaders is not to do the work of the ministry. It's to what? To equip you to do the work of the ministry. I think that that is when church becomes truly exciting. That is when church uh, becomes something that you own in the Lord's name. Is when you and you and you and me all discover the ministry that God has for us. Uh, We have skin in the game, whether that's at Cerritos or elsewhere. I want to mention just two quick things. Um... We need, there's a big need that our church has right now in the immediate term, over the past next month or so. Uh, we are looking for two or three additional individuals. We need a couple, two or three extra people just to make that commitment. We have this wonderful setup in this beautiful environment, but it's a lot of work. And with some of the people transitioning to Cerritos, we only have about maybe three people that are doing this setup in the morning. So even if you get Cerritos service today, uh, going forward, I, I think it's been about a year and a half since we've been devoting a lot of um, their time and energy to Cerritos. You're going to have a rotation of speakers more at Cerritos from this point going forward. I will probably be spending about 75% of my efforts here in downtown LA going forward. Um, and I think that God has a tremendous ministry for that. I want to give you a good piece of news, an amazing piece of news. About a month and a half ago, two mo- about two months ago, our church, our church received a donation, not from anyone in this church, although there are several of you in this church who give generously. Um, some of you have given extremely generously, even recently. I'm one of the people who has exposure to the giving records week in and week out. And you know who you are, and we thank you for that. But there is someone from outside of our church that donated $50,000 
to our church recently because they believe in the work that God is doing in us and through you. And so that's a tremendous encouragement. Um, lastly, on the church, I'm running this thing. It's a, it's a ministry called the Disciple Design. We're very excited. We're going to be restarting up the Little Tokyo Tours, a walking tour uh, in this area. It's a walking tasting tour. This is going to be an hour that's open to anyone. Uh, we're planning a book tour of the book that I've written. By the way, if you've gotten the book that I've written, um, try and get me your feedback by maybe mid-July on that. Uh, someone came up to me and said, you know, I'm I think people are scared to give you negative feedback. That's okay. Uh, just give me honest feedback because it's in a, in a beta mode for the next two months before I give the book to my publisher. I have started hearing back from some people. Two of the people I heard back from was really encouraging. One person was a seminary professor that I gave it to, and he said he read the first quarter of the book and he couldn't put it down. Super excited to finish. A second person I gave it to is a, is a uh, Christian book author, and he said the same thing. He said, uh, super excited of what he's reading so far. And so that was a tremendous encouragement. I think God has great things potential to be uh, just this unknown future and a frontier land that could present an opportunity for the church. Uh, I bought some property in this downtown uh, LA area on the blockchain that's been minted as an NFT. So I bought the land for Fugetsudo in J-Town, and I actually bought the land for this gem's building and this gem's parking lot. So that in the future, in the metaverse, uh, we can even use this space for virtual gatherings of Bible studies or fellowship groups or outreaches. Just a little bit down the line, it will not replace physical church. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, and then maybe we can go to the most announcements. Probably didn't make sense of that stuff I didn't say, but that's okay. I'm not even sure if I know what I'm talking about. Is it the Matrix, right? Am I Morpheus or you, Neil? Right. Okay, so that's it. Let's go ahead and bring forward the worship team, and uh, let's stand together. Close the worship.